1: Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than
0: 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our guest segment. Uh, He certainly is no stranger to this program. Filmmaker and researcher and Bible prophecy expert Ellie Marzulli is with us. Good to have you with us, sir. Hey, great to be on. Thanks for having me. And I want to start by playing a clip from the trailer to the new movie. So I'm going to have you stand by while we play this. Uh, Here it is. Really great setup for tonight's interview. Here's the clip.
1: There is an ancient site in New Hampshire that may date back 4,000 years. It is called America's Stonehenge. There are precise alignments of standing stones which reflect the solstices and equinoxes. There is also a controversial stone table which may have been used as an altar for human sacrifice. The site is built on an 18 and a half year lunar cycle like that of Stonehenge, England and also the Great Circle Mount and the Octagon Mount complex in Ohio, and America's Stonehenge massive stones were fitted together to create this mysterious site, but whoever built it seemingly abandoned it. You will see just how incredible this site is as we reveal what appears to be a deliberate and orchestrated relationship to Stonehenge, England, as well as other megalithic sites around the globe. Journey with us as we explore America's Stonehenge.
0: Wow, that's uh really riveting and, and of course we're only able to share the audio, but the video is is really incredible. Uh, almost like you're at the movies, um and uh I always enjoy everything that you do and, and this movie is called uh this is the number four on the trail of the Nephilim. Is that right?
1: Yeah, correct. Number four, uh America Stonehenge, the Canaanite connection. And what we discovered there was uh it rewrites history. Now, I make a statement like that, Jim, and, and, you know, it's a scoffer's scoff, and, and they're entitled to do that. That's their job description. But it does rewrite history, and, and we've got proof. I mean, that, that stone that was found, uh, decades ago underneath a collapsed chamber at the site in New Hampshire, America Stonehenge, had writing on it. No one knew what the writing was. And it lay in the museum there for basically 11 years, till Dr. Barry Fell Harvard professor came in uh, and he looked at it and he said, I think I know what that is. He deciphered it, and basically it says to Baal of the Canaanites. It was a dedication stone. To Baal of the Canaanites. Now, with all due respect to the Stone family, they don't they didn't know about the Nephilim and the biblical significance of that. When I heard that, I and it's actually in the film. Uh, you can you can I, I'm filming Kelsey Stone. He's leading me around the museum. I've got a handheld Osmo camera. And um, he comes up to this display case. Well, what are these tell you? Well, these are the stones with inscriptions. scriptures. Oh, okay. I have no idea what I'm about to hear. Well, what does this one say? And he goes, oh, this is a dedication stone to Baal of the Canaanites. And you hear this long pause, and I left it in the film. You don't see me, but I'm filming. And I go, what did you just say? I can't even believe what I'm hearing. And he starts to chuckle, kind of nervous, and he goes, yeah, two ball of the Canaanites. And I go, "Two ball of the Canaanites? And then he tells us about Dr. Barry Thelam. And then we, we sit down with the stone, and, and we go over exactly the discovery, where it was, how it was found, who deciphered it, the 11 years it lay in the museum. No one knew what it meant. It rewrites history. <clears throat> More than that, and, and we're going to show this in part two. I'm actually in post-production on part two. Um, and we're, t- I think the rough title for this one is America's Stonehenge, the Axis Mundi, the center of the world. Because what, what Dennis, there's, there's Robert Stone who was, uh, Dennis's father. So he was the original, he was the one who preserved the site, found the site, and bought the site. Dennis was an airplane pilot, Robert's son, who's now the current curator of the museum. Kelsey is in his early 30s now, um, late 20s, early 30s. So he's third generation. And the rough, Dennis shared with us something which he basically has been kept under the radar and didn't share with other production companies. Go figure why he gave it to us, but he did. And it's in the film. And it's absolutely mind boggling. It's mind boggling, which is why we call the film the act, you know, America Stonehenge, the Axis Monday, the center of the world. Because what we discovered, and this is the work of Kelsey Stone, and I'll tell you this much I can tell you, but this has already been covered. It was in my book, Armor Trail of a Nephilim. And this alone should have every single archaeologist making a beeline to the site. But of course, they won't do that. Oh, it's just a coincidence. Well, Kelsey Stone is a college student, and he goes on Google Earth from the center of their site, the center of America Stonehenge in New Hampshire. And we know, and, and Kelsey knew that the summer solstice sunrise would come right over this one menhir. Standing Stone, placed about a hundred yards away from the center of the site, roughly a hundred yards. It's probably a little less than that. And so, Kelsey drew a line on Google Earth. This had never been done before. No one knew, you know, who who knows what this, where the line's going to go. And he, you know, he lines up the line very precisely on, on the Summer Solstice Standing Stone, exactly where the sunrise comes up. And he extends the line and extends the line. And he's out over Nova Scotia, and then he's out over the Atlantic, and then he finds himself in southern England. So he goes, well, gee, this is kind of interesting. He knew that he was kind of close to Stonehenge, but didn't know of any significance at that point. And so he starts to zoom in uh, on the southern part of England, and sure enough, he's very close to Stonehenge. Well, he extends the line, and then he blows up Google Earth. That line goes right through the center trilithon, in Stonehenge, England, dead center. Wow, dead center. It's not a coincidence, Jim. It's not a coincidence. And when I showed that to a surveyor, he did the same thing in his office. He immediately went on Google Earth, went to the site, drew the line, and I. And this, I wish I had this on film. This is years ago. And he, you can hear me going, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe it." He was completely blown away. This information lay hidden from the peoples of the world, except the occultists and those who knew for basically 4,000 years. No one knew about it until Kelsey Stone. But there are other alignments, and that's what we're going to show in the film. Uh, it's it's astounding. Uh, and it's right here in New Hampshire, and it is a 4,000-year-old site, and the alignments are incredibly precise. And the only way you could do a, a connection between the site of New Hampshire, America Stonehenge, and the site in England, Stonehenge England, would be to triangulate it from the air. In its advanced geometry, you've got to account for the curvature of the Earth, uh, with all due respect to flat earthers. Um, it, it, the Earth isn't flat, and you have to account for the curvature of the Earth in order to wind up in Stonehenge England. Uh, all pilots, and Dennis Stone, Kelsey's dad, is a pilot. And he will tell you, in order to go from point A to point B, you've got to account for the uh equate or account for the curvature of the earth and figure that in your equation. Otherwise, you're going to wind up miles, hundreds of miles away from your destination. So, when you look at this, this goes back to the biblical narrative. Who is the prince of the power of the air? Who had the ability to do this 4,000 years ago when the site was built? And we know the site is about 4,000 years ago from pollen samples that were taken uh, in and around the site. Um, So, it's it's very enigmatic and it's right here in the United States and that's just that's a mind-blower.
0: Tell us who Baal of the Canaanites is. I know this is one of the deities that were worshiped, of course not, you know, uh worshiped with with our Christian faith, but but really the opposite of that. Tell us the tell us the history of that and and what that god is small g.
1: Yeah, Baal means Lord. It was uh, this is a, probably, in my opinion, a fallen angel who has set up shop in the area. Um, the 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 Nephilim tribes that were there worshipped the Canaanites. Worship the Canaanites is a broad term for what I believe are Nephilim tribes all through the Levant. And when you trace that line from America Stonehenge to Stonehenge England, and you continue it to the right, you wind up actually um, uh, in in Beirut. And Beirut was basically a Phoenician central. The Phoenicians were the descendants of the Canaanites. The Canaanites are an tribe. That's in my wheelhouse. That's in my bailiwick. We know that um, there are prophets. The prophets of Baal, I'm sure you all remember that, go up against the prophets of Israel. And uh, we most of us know the story with Elijah. And Elijah's going, you know, is, is Baal sleeping? Why, why does he show up? And the prophets of Baal, they're cutting themselves and they're they're yelling and screaming and doing, and Baal never shows up. And finally, you know, Elijah uh, takes the bowl, cuts the thing up, pours water over. It. Most of us know the story. The fire from heaven comes down. And uh, the prophets of Baal realize that, oh, my gosh, this is the real God. And they're eventually slaughtered by the Israelites because they're leading the Israelites into false worship, into the worship of a fallen angel. And this was, you know, this is thousands of years ago, thousands of years ago, but it was there. It's, you can read about it in your Bible. So all of a sudden, we get something to ball the Canaanites in, in New Hampshire. I mean, if that doesn't make your listeners fall off their chair, I give up. I really do. Well,
0: and I thought because all that uh, was in New Hampshire were libertarians. And now we know there's, a, a, <laughs> now, now we know there's a, a temple to ball. One of yes. the, sc- one of the scary exactly. things in, in your clip was this, this platform, which I guess is, is called a desk or something like that, but it, it could have been, uh, this, this, uh, this surface could have been used, this stone square surface could have been used as a uh, an area where they were sacrificing uh, human beings. Is that right?
1: Well, we call it uh, the sacrificial table. I prefer to call it the sacrificial altar. Um, uh, there are, and we show this in the film, there are links to that site, to other sites, other megalithic sites. When you go, there's a chamber, first of all. So the altar is about 10 feet long, by about six feet wide, and it's got a groove cut all the way around it, and the stone is canted at a slight angle to collect whatever is on that altar. Now, uh, again, scoffers will say, oh, that's just a, that's just an apple press, that's just a, uh, a fruit presser, it's to make soap. Excuse me, you know, you're going to take something that weighs about four to six thousand pounds, uh, erect this thing on four legs to make soap? I don't think so. And what's interesting about this. No one even knew what it was. So Robert Stone bought the property, and we've got pictures of it, which we show. That altar, that stone slab, was at ground level. So they started excavating around it, and they realized, oh my gosh, it's being held up by four legs. They kept excavating, and they found a hidden chamber behind the sacrificial altar, which, you know, even today, if you don't know it's there, you won't see it, because... Whoever built this, Jim, the roof of this thing has some sort of a clay or cement-like covering which waterproofs the interior of the chamber. So the interior chamber is always dry. Now, some of the drainage um, areas, and this is amazing, they actually had drains put in to to keep the, the water, to drain the water away from the site. Well, some of those drains are working. Some of them aren't after thousands of years. So the floor gets a little damp from time to time. But the roof remains dry, which is, I mean, and I, I'm actually going to talk to Robert about this. We need to analyze what this thing is. We need to take it and find out what this, whoever did this and, and created this roof over the chamber. So when you're in the chamber, there's an oracle tube. In other words, someone would stand in the chamber, hit from the ceremony, and speak through this oracle tube, which comes out beneath the stone table. So if I'm making soap or pressing apples, why do I need this? Hello? This is ritualistic all day long. On the island of Gozo, where we were, there's a very strange place called the Hypogeum. It wasn't found until decades ago in the last century, 20th century. And a workmen stumbled into this site, which had been hidden for thousands of years. There was a room at the entrance, which hundreds of skulls and bones of human beings were entombed there. And it wasn't like a a burial. It was something else going on. It was like sacrificial. And I've been down in that thing. They allow, I think, 10 to 15 people per tour. You're not allowed to take any photographs. You have to leave your cell phone camera, anything else like that, in a in a little safe. They give you the key, and then you go in. And immediately the first thing you're hit with, oh, there are no elongated skulls here and there were no giants. Excuse me, what? Why are you guys telling us this? Because when this thing was first opened up and you could access it, people reported seeing elongated skulls. People actually saw, allegedly, giants across a chasm. Only certain parts of the hypogeum are open. And I we could spend the rest of the show in the hypogeum. Very, very mysterious place. But the reason why I say that, there's an oracle chamber an oracle tube in the hypogeum. And when you stick your head in that thing and you just go, oh, like that, it reverberates through the entire complex underground of the hypogeum. It's really creepy. So we see similarities between the construct in America's Stonehenge and what happened on the hypogeum. When we go to the island of Sardinia to the giant's tomb, when we film there and we show it, there's a chamber that's in there. Very similar to the chamber, hidden chamber, right next to the Oracle chamber, which is long enough to have someone laid down it. Why is that there? Why is it there in New Hampshire? Why is it an identical, same type of a chamber all the way over, thousands of miles away in the Isle of Sardinia? This, in my opinion, is all Nephilim architecture. It speaks to the Fallen Angel technology. It speaks to this lost history that was in place. And you know what, folks? you got to understand, most, most Christians don't really understand the conquest of Canaan. They just figure that well, you know, God just decided to kill all the Canaanites because they were really bad people. Well, they weren't. They they were they were hybrid entities. They were cross They were half breeds between fallen angels and the women of earth, creating a hybrid known as the Nephilim. The Nephilim were there. They were like grasshoppers in their sights. The Rephaim, the Anakim, the Zanzimim, the Emims, all names and they all have like uh, these different names, too, I believe, um point to perhaps different genetic characteristics. Our work on the elongated skulls in Peru, Jim, gets all into this. That's number six, the DNA evidence, and that's coming out. It's actually finished, but I'm waiting till I get part two of American Stonehenge before I release that. We are on the trail. We are discovering, exposing, this is our mission statement, exposing the deception of the prince of the power of the air, and heralding the return of the king, Jesus. And I believe uh, he's at the door, I really do, with everything that's going on.
0: And for those just tuning in, our guest during our guest segment here is L.A. Marzuli. Of course, you probably recognize the voice. And if you'd like to find out more about his films, you can go to L.A. LaMarzuli.net and La, give us an update on. Uh, I guess you we you are with us and you you're no longer on Vimeo. We get that, but then there's a transition to another site where you're still able to make available uh, the movies for streaming. Tell us about that.
1: And Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, we, we signed up on UScreen.tv, but the site is accessed through my website, so it's streaming. Like streaming, streaming.lamarzuli.net net, You can rent all four DVDs for under twelve dollars. So we've lowered the price because of the the Wuhan virus. People are sheltering in place. Yada yada yada. Um, if you were to buy one DVD, DVD of twenty bucks. You can go to the site and buy the DVDs. Some people like to have that in their collection, but you can stream it um, on the site, and I, we're not going to be taken down there. streaming.lamarzuli.net Streaming dot L A Marzuli dot net and it's um uh, we're up and running and we've had hundreds of people access the site and stream it already. And uh, I think it'll blow people's minds.
0: Is this a fairly new site? I I I keep I've been saying this for years that Christians and conservatives, we've got to get some alternatives in place because of what's happening with social media, it is getting more and more restrictive, for example, I got two strikes with Facebook for simply posting that oh. i that I think that I got the covid nineteen back in February, so apparently you can't say that 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 you can only have had it since March, but now we're knowing from the science that people may have had it as far back right. as as uh as november and and they have these fact checking organizations which supposedly determine. What the truth is and and they claim that they don't censor any opinion pieces and the two posts I shared were both opinion pieces about people saying that they had uh, gotten this earlier and that it very well could be the case. And I also posted that I think I had it uh, back in February. So this new site is this that you're with? Is this a site that sort of heralds the the freedom of speech and you're not expecting to have any trouble with them?
1: It, it does Um when I, and the re- that's the reason why we went there, because they don't care what we put on there. I mean, obviously, we can't put, you know, pornography or something crazy like that, which of course, we would never do, where you can't really have major hate speech, where you're yelling and screaming about killing people or something like that. And that's, I mean, that's, I get that. Uh, nothing like that should exist anyway. But what we're looking at, and to, to your point before you had me on, I was listening to some of what you were saying, and what we are looking at is the takedown of our Constitution, our First and Second Amendment rights, which the Second Amendment will follow soon. If a Democrat gets in, no matter who it is, um, and I believe Biden will never never make it to the election, um, watch, watch Hillary Clinton, maybe with one of the Obamas as vice president, which will be a shoe-in ticket. And see, the country is so divided. And I know we're kind of off topic here a little bit. I'll make it short. But the country is so utterly divided. That you you know i don't I don't see any type of rapprochement, if I can use that word, I just don't um you know what do you do when people are yelling and screaming and calling the fact that you know you and i are are Christians and believe in the God of the Bible when we're like public enemy number one, where our views are be are being viewed as hate speech, so does that mean that part of the union fractures um I don't know. Uh, I wrote a blog last week. How does America come back from this? This is an orchestrated takedown of our republic. That's what it is. There's no way around it. You know, people can tap dance around that to their blue in the face. 30 million people out of work. Probably one third of the businesses who have, have, uh, were forced to shut down will not come back. And this begs all sorts of questions like why is Walmart allowed to stay open and mom and pop business store isn't? Why is Home Depot, which gets, let's say, at an average between two and 3,000 people a day going into the stores anywhere, and you can't have a beauty salon, which probably has 50 to 100 customers a day? Why is it that in all these places, the goofy little you know, machine where you stick your stupid credit card in or Home Depot card or whatever card, right? I mean, that's never clean. And sometimes it is, but most of the time it's not. So how do you know the guy in front of you or the guy in front of him or the guy in front of that guy? didn't have the virus and he didn't know and he's touching the the stupid thing with his credit card and writing and pressing the button are you kidding me well we got to stay six feet apart this whole thing look the virus is real i get it but it's a man's agenda and the fact that dr fiasco and dr brickhead with all due respect i mean these people came in and completely completely collapsed our, our entire society society completely collapsed and then you get dr fiasco saying well you know Maybe sheltering in place might may, may cause.
0: Yeah, this guy. Yeah, this guy uh, has been all over the map. Go. This this Fauci guy, all and all of map. his predictions have been wrong. Yeah. I don't know where he <laughs> draws any credibility from. But the one thing I've been saying this for for months now, I think we're on the the cusp of of some kind of a, a civil war because I I think to myself, what would happen? Uh, okay, it's it's election night. And Trump is reelected. We know what happened the last time. I mean, people literally had convulsions the 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 news media couldn't believe it they were speechless Uh, now they were of course shocked that he won because all the polls said he wouldn't win but the same thing's happening again they're saying that biden is up by 11 this guy can't even complete a sentence and they're saying he's up by 11 which i don't believe that for a minute Uh, what what do you expect to be the reaction on election night this time around the people get their torches and and pitchforks and start, you know, running <laughs> into the streets. I mean, uh, I don't know how some of these people well, can actually stand to see Trump go for another four years.
1: Well, I mean, here, here's the deal. Let, let's, let's, let's look at both sides of the aisle. If Trump gets elected, which I don't think he will, because they're already talking about mail-in ballots and ballot harvesting and all this nonsense. I mean, that, that's what happened uh, in California, specifically in Orange County. Oh, we just found all these other voters. You can't have that. And, of course, isn't it, it's right on a solid playbook, accuse the opposition of what you're actually doing. So they're actually rigging the election with their stupid write-in ballots, which is absurd. you got to show up at the polling place, you got to have a driver's license and some kind of ID. And if you don't have that, then you can't come in. If you don't register, then you can't stink and vote. But the Democrats don't want that because they know the illegals will vote Democratic. It's just like Joe Biden standing up last week and saying, you know, uh, you know, if if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. I mean, are you kidding me? And of course the media basically gives that a pass. Can you can't <laughs> imagine if Trump had said something like that, you know, the entire world would burn down. Are you kidding me? So if if this is the deal. If a Democrat gets in, I don't think Republicans, Christians, I don't think we're gonna take it. Because already by the well, I'm gonna raise taxes. Well, gee, thanks a lot. The middle of all this nonsense, you're going to raise taxes. We're already taxed to death for crying out loud. We can't do this anymore. Um, I'm not, and, and I got you to say something here. If you're listening to me and you're Democratic and you call yourself a Christian, maybe you better start thinking twice about it. And what I mean by that is that that is the party of death. All you got to look at what, uh, Governor Cuomo did in New York. You know, you can kill that baby if he's born alive. Kill that baby. He's born alive. That infanticide. If a, if a, if, a, if a, you have an abortion, the baby's born alive. You can kill the baby. You know you can, you can abort the child up to the moment of whatever. This is incredibly barbaric and insane. Absolutely insane. It, it is see, amazing. It sad. is
0: amazing to see uh, so many Christians today that are voting Democratic are supporting. The Democratic Party, which, you know, there was a time there was a time, you know, back when I was growing up that you had what they called now they call blue dog Democrat or conservative Democrat. Uh, You had a a reasonable, uh, you know alternative that you could still be a christian and still support but now we're talking about just just crazy stuff where biden says that this aoc would be put in charge of implementing the 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 new green deal and and all of this you know abortion on demand and uh I, i think really the flashpoint in this country will be when the red states are going to be forced to pay off the debts of the blue states I, I don't think people are going to go along with that very, very well. But that's what appears to be shaping up with this next round of, of trillions of dollars to be handed out is that this is going to be a bailout of the, the failed pension system of Illinois, New Jersey, New York, California. It's like the blue states are demanding that they be bailed out, uh, with this money. And, and there's, they might even claim You know that the whole amount they need is from COVID-19, but we know that it might probably be less than 5%. California alone is demanding a trillion dollars bailout from the feds a trillion dollars uh and they're still bringing in you know illegal aliens and 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 paying for everybody's uh you know everybody there's even a stimulus there for the illegal aliens now in in california as well but getting back to the movie uh so people listening tonight know know who you are we've had you on many times you've talked about the nephilim many times can you connect the dots for somebody listening tonight that says okay how does this really matter today this is all fascinating stuff and it's very very interesting raises so many questions but somebody listening tonight says okay you know what does this mean in the year 2020 and what does this mean going forward uh with these nephilim and and ball and all of this stuff that we're finding all of these connections uh, what does this mean for me today
1: well first of all You've got to understand, most people and most Christians, I don't think, really connect the dots. We live in a post-Christian world where Darwinism and the Darwinian theory rules supreme. We are looked at, and if you believe in Noah's flood, then, you know, you're a Neanderthal. Uh, you, you know, you're you're unschooled. You're illiterate. I mean, that's what people believe. There is no supernatural. There is no room for a supernatural world. Uh, there are no demons. There are no angels. There are no absolutes. There is no God. All this just evolved. The neo-Darwinists are looking out to space and believe in panspermia that we've here by an advanced race of extraterrestrials or what have you. What this does, what my research does, is it points back to the validity of the biblical narrative, which is right there, to Baal of the Canaanites, right? And what it shows us, that there is a hidden history which has been deliberately obfuscated from the peoples of the world by the powers that be. And I say that knowing that, you know, the scoffers will scoff and, and critics will laugh, but that's the truth. All of this has been deliberately kept from the peoples of the world, and for Christians need to begin to push back. That's why our, our, our whole mission statement, to expose the deception of the prince of the power of the air, once you start studying this, people will realize that, wait a minute, something else is going on and we're not being told the truth. We're not being told the truth here at all, and in fact, The truth is being deliberately hidden from us and obfuscated. Let me just give you one example. I flew out to Catalina Island years ago, about five or six years ago, because I got a tip from another researcher. And it was Jim, I can't think of his last name offhand, but he had done a book called Mysterious Catalina. And he talked about this primitive archaeologist by the name of Ralph Glibn who allegedly dug up nine footers out on the Catalina Island. Now Catalina Island is, I could see it when I used to drive down my canyon before the fire, I could see Catalina every single morning. Was it it. uh, Jim Vieira? I found out.
0: Is is it Jim No, it
1: wasn't Jim Vieira. Jim Vieira found out about it from me. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he found out about Catalina from me, okay? But, so, and, and I was the first one to publish it. So I flew out to the island, and it uh, it cost me $1,000 uh, donation to, to the museum because they were going to build a new museum. It took me six months to get permission, but I got permission. And I flew out to the island. I was with, with um, uh, the old curator that was there. He got fired shortly after uh, I published the book. Is that coincidence? I don't know. And I'm there with him, and he goes, what do you want to see? And I go, well, bring out the pictures first. This cache of records from Glidden had been hidden away in the in, in the museum, not the museum, in the in the attic of the large circular Wrigley um, movie theater. And so the former curator was up there and rummaging around one night, why? Because that was part of his job. He would run the museum by day, and then two or three nights a week he'd run the film, run the movie theater. So you know he's seen the movie, doesn't have to watch it again. The projector's running. He's like rummaging up in the attic. Looking at what's up there, and he finds his trunk, and lo and behold, it's this cache of missing records from Ralph Gooden, which have been missing for decades decades and this this made the front page of the l a Times, so I go out there and I'm in the museum it's it's after hours I'm just there with with the curator, and I've got my camera uh and and I, everything is set up, and he brings out these pictures. I find pay dirt, Jim. Within a half an hour, I found this one picture where Ralph Gooden is standing in a recently excavated grave leaning on a shovel. In front of him is a very large skeleton in situ. It's not a disarticulated bone pile. It's like skeleton in situ. It's like right there. I had it analyzed by three people. I published it in my book. Uh, it was a nine-footer, Jim Vieira. I told him about it. Um, and he went out there with the History Channel. And they eventually had me come on. Uh, the, the last, the last show in Search of the Lost Giants, and present that, which was really great. And B.R. was in one of my films, so even though we've never met, I consider him a friend. So the bottom line is this: we publish it in the book. It goes viral. All right, I'm on all sorts of shows talking about this revealing the picture. So the, Richard Shaw, who's a produ- producer and director of our Watcher series, I was a co-producer, we fly out to Catalina because we want to go see the museum again. So they've got this big display of Ralph Gooden. We get there. The very picture that I discovered in the archives and published and had analyzed is now blown up. Like it was like a five by seven. It's now two feet wide by 18 inches high. It's there on the wall. And underneath it is this whole hit piece on that. that Ralph Gooden was little more than a gray rock. Well, guess what, Jim? This large skeleton is cropped out of the picture. It's no longer there. It's wow. just Ralph Glidden on a the shovel. They cropped the large skeleton out of the picture. And you remember, the curator that I was with, he got fired, John Borgino. And there's a new curator there. And I asked her, I said, well, who gave you this picture? Why did you publish? Why did you crop the skeleton out of the picture? And I've got my book, On the Trail of the Nephilim with me, that's got the published picture that we analyzed. And so Richard holds it up, you know, underneath the picture, and we snap that, and that became uh, part of our watches, and that went viral. That's all of my intellectual property, all of our discovery that we made. So the question is, why does the museum go out of its way to take the picture and crop the giant out of the picture. That's called damage control. What's interesting, in the new museum, they have the picture blown up even bigger. It's now four feet high, three feet wide, something like that. I'm actually standing next to it. But the skeleton is now there. But there's not a word about how big it is. No one says a thing. No one says, you know, L.A. Marzulli was here, had three different researchers uh, analyze it. It's basically right around nine feet. It's a giant. You would think that they would, if they wanted to sell tickets to the Catalina Island Museum, come and see the picture of a nine foot giant, right? That's all they gotta do, right? Cause it's there. It's absolutely there and it's real. So not... there's one more.
0: That, that That is, I would say that that is fascinating because, like you said, if if they really wanted to sell tickets, I, I live just down the road from Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. And, and that, you know, they, oh, that, wow. that, that's how they promote things. But I was going to mention one thing to you real quickly, not to say that there's any connection, but, um, here in Florida, if you go over, I'm on the East Coast. So if you go over to the West Coast of Florida, um, there is a little area, which is, uh, near Sarasota. And this little area is where all the circus performers would go for the winter. And they would just, they would stay in this little town near Sarasota, uh, for the winter. Well, that's become sort of like an attraction. There's actually this, this area over there called the Giants Camp. And it's where all of the oh. Giants That traveled with the circus lived and they have uh, all kinds of things to see related to this so-called giants camp. Not to say that there's any connection, uh, but some of these guys were, you know, seven foot, eight foot tall uh, and taller. I mean, they would travel around uh, with the circus. And uh, I often wondered with what all the things you talk about, if you think there's any uh, probability would be small, obviously, but that there's any living people today that might have some of that DNA that could make them a super tall. And these aren't just tall. These are giant people with like their hands are like two or three times the size of a normal person's hands. They're not like minute bowl where they're like, you know, 25 inch waist tall. They're These are enormous human beings that were in these uh, that traveled with the circus.
1: Yeah. The, the tallest man is just under eight feet, I believe that ever lived according to some records. Um yeah, I mean I get that. But you know, we've got the Native Americans and, and Chief Joseph Riverwind comes in uh on, on all three of the shows talking about what Native Americans know, their oral tradition, which talks about the giants who were cannibalistic, very warlike, um six fingers, red hair, uh with insatiable thirst for blood, would come in, they would rip the head. This is his his testimony, handed down from the oral tradition. They would raid the camps, come in, rip the heads off the braves, just pick up a brave like like they're nothing, right? Rip the head off and drink the blood. That's what they would do. Wow. That, that's from Chief Joseph. That's from Chief Joseph. So we know that they were there in the land. The Nephilim were in the land. They fled the Levant 4,000 years ago. So what this does, um, and I talked about this in my presentation with Steve Quell. um Ancient Cataclysms Lost Civilizations. An archaeologist will tell you that they have no idea who built the Serpent Mound or who built the Great Circle Mound or the Octagon Mound, all in Ohio. They have no idea. Or Cahokia. Now, they'll they'll bandy about all these theories and, oh, you know, they they built these things and then they just abandoned them. And this one archaeologist, Cyrus Thomas, which is now, this is what you learn when you take archaeology at pretty much any college, this is what they say. This is the paradigm which you hold to. Native Americans built all these places, but they had simply forgotten they had done so. (laughs) They simply forgot they had done so. So that's what we're supposed to believe. And that's when I say that to people, just like you, the entire audience just erupts in laughter. And it's incredibly insulting. For instance, the serpent now, when Fritz Zimmerman and I were there filming several years ago on the spring equinox, first of all, there was a coven of witches that were there on the spring equinox, okay? They knew what the site was, and they knew the importance of the site. There wasn't a Christian to be found, except for Fritz, myself, and my wife. And we're filming there, Uvidrome, the whole deal, and there's new signage. And I go, Fritz, this is new signage. It's the last time He goes, yes, my gosh. They're trying to tell us that the Shawnee built it. So when I talked to Chief Joseph about that, he got ira- irate. He just said, no, I, I can, I'll can. i send you a clip from Chief Wallace of the Shawnee that states unequivocally that the Shawnee did not, underline did not, build the serpent now. Now, that's from the Chief of the Shawnee. And then Chief Joseph gets kind of ticked off. You can see it in his eyes. He goes, you know, it's amazing that uh Why settlers aren't coming in and taking our land and, and rewriting history 150 years ago? Now they are rewriting history, you know, 10, 20 years ago, or even even right now. They're telling us things that didn't happen. And here, when the chief of the Shawnee come out and say that we didn't build it, well, that's not good enough. We're gonna we're gonna tell say that you did anyway. And that's what the signage says. So, you know, these these archaeologists, with all due respect. um they are dishing out a lot of hooey. When, when, I just, I'll just say this, and, and and people can make up their own mind. There's a site called Fort Ancient. It's three point five continuous miles, three point five miles of continuous earthen walls.
0: Say the name I of that. Believe, say the name of that site but, again.
1: It's called Fort Ancient. Okay. Fort Ancient. And when you're there, it'll blow your mind. It's three point five miles of continuous. Earth and walls. Some of these walls were well over 20 feet. There are all sorts of astronomical alignments. When we were there again on the spring equinox, we were at the gate, at the main gate to the complex. There's now a road that goes through it. So the road's really straight. So Peggy, my wife, stands out there. She's got this whole, um, celestial thing on her, on her cell phone. And she opens it up and she points it to the gate, right over the gate on that day. Dead center is the serpent constellation hydra the serpent hydra that's that's not a coincidence, jim that's deliberate so when you when you deconstruct and this is from one of their docents which we show in the film when you deconstruct the earthen walls the 3.5 miles of earth and walls when you deconstruct it you would take dump trucks line them up end to end build the dump trucks with dirt so you say well okay la well how many how many dump trucks well, how about we can't count them because it's 200 miles of dump trucks, end-to-end. End. 200 miles, Jim, of dump trucks, end-to-end. End. And we're supposed to believe that Native Americans did this, and it was six months out of a the year they could dig with clamshells and the shoulder bones of deer and these primitive tools. Well, we're not buying it. And, again, they don't know who built it. They called them... Oh, this is the Hopewell culture. They just make up a name. Hopewell was a farmer. They have no idea who constructed the Serpent Mound, who constructed the Circle Mound or the Octagon Mound, or Fort an Ancient. They have no idea. None. Now, Native Americans use some of these sites as, as secondary burials. I get that. But the Native Americans say it was here when we got here. It was here when we got here. Wow.
0: I've got an email here which this is a great question and I know we have people listening from all over the world tonight live and then of course it goes out tomorrow to all of our platforms for replay somebody's asking they, they're they at your website and they say they see so many things available if somebody is new to L.A. Marzuli, what should they start with like do each of your books and videos sort of stand alone or do you have like a, a path for people to take that are getting started learning from you? Um,
1: if, if you really want to jump in, I would read the Cosmic Chess Match. The, the Cosmic Chess Match is really out—actually, it, It's actually, there are some churches that have used the book on, like, Wednesday night Bible study, which is a real honor for me. But the Cosmic Chess Match outlines what we're up against and this cosmic war between the fallen angelic host and the Most, most High God. So, culminating, of course, at the cross. The cross um, gives us victory. We know that Jesus' death on the cross gives us victory. The cosmic chess match. Uh, all the Watchers DVDs are standalone. The two DVDs on Fatima are about the alleged apparitions. But the On the Trail series, there are now four um, offerings, four films in that series. So, if you're interested about what we're talking about, where it's all from. Those first four films, number five's coming out. Number six is done. Seven's on the storyboard. There's no end in sight. This is the new series. And it's, you know, that's why we call the series on the trail of a Nephilim.
0: And people can get the the physical DVDs for people that are still doing that, and they've got the DVD player at the house, or if they just want to watch it on their computer, they can save money that way by going to your stream site. Which uh, give us that URL again, if they want to go to the streaming.
1: Yeah, it's real. It's real easy. Streaming. Streaming. Dot la Dot net. Streaming. Dot la Dot net. And you can rent all four.
0: All right, and then tell us, LAMarzulli.net is the regular, the main website, but tell us, I think you're you're broadcasting now multiple days a week with with video and and all of that. Tell us what other, and I see Roku is available as an option for tapping into you. Tell us, for people that want to kind of tap into what your daily uh, offerings are, what is that?
1: Basically, right now, it's only on YouTube. Which we're kind of, uh, a little afraid of because people are being ousted from YouTube for who knows what. But, um, that my YouTube is just LA Marzuli, LA Marzuli. We've got over 118,000 subscribers. And, um, you know, we, we've been doing one program a day, uh, since COVID-19. And we'll probably continue doing that even after this, uh, scam is over. <clears throat>
0: Very good. And the website is uh, LAMarzulli.net. There's a blog. There's a tremendous Correct. amount of uh, information here. Any, any big speaking engagements or public appearances or is all that canceled due to Dr. Fiasco?
1: <laughs> well, uh, you know, we were supposed to be at, at uh, Steve Quell's conference last weekend, and that got blown out of the water, so you can, you can still stream it. And Steve, uh, it, Steve has that available, Gen6.com Gen6.com, and you can uh, you can stream that. And uh, uh, I spoke for an hour and a half, pre-recorded it right here in my studio with a green screen. And um, Dr. Michael Lake, Steve Quayle, Celeste Salone, we've been making the rounds on a lot of different shows. Derek Gilbert, Dr. Michael Lake. So um, there's some really really great information in that conference. Ancient Cataclysms, Lost Civilizations was. Uh, was was my topic, and you can still download the live streaming. But all the conferences are shut down. Everything is virtual. Um, the, the next one that I know about will be ours in Ohio on September 18th, the Nephilim Again Conference on September 18th in Ohio. You can go to our site, NephilimAgain.com, and you can order tickets for it. Right now, it's a go. We're believing that we're going to be there. Also, uh, Prophecy Watchers Conference uh, comes up in October. So that's that's what's going on right now. Everything's virtual.
0: Very good. Good to have you with us again, sir. And uh, we encourage people to uh, support what you're doing and, and, and buy the videos. And, and uh, if you're somebody that did have the Vimeo passwords and all that, uh, LA, you said you're making good on that by setting them up on Absolutely. the new platform to yeah. be able to still access yeah. what they've already paid for.
1: Correct. Absolutely.
0: And they can just reach out to you through the website uh, if they need that help. Ellie Marzuli, thank you so much yeah, for being can. with us, sir. Great to have you with us. Thanks, Jim. God bless you. Appreciate it. God bless you. And I see we've had we have some people holding. I know some people wanted to get on and ask questions, but uh, I didn't really have that planned for tonight. But uh, we will be doing some Q and A uh, with some of our guests coming up soon. And I'm also looking at doing something, maybe another show each week. I'm thinking maybe Wednesday night, where we'll do it every so often. Maybe not a regular show, but every so often we'll do a Wednesday night at say nine o'clock and just do open lines and let people call in and share what is on their mind and I know a lot of people have their own opinions and ideas about what's going on I certainly don't have it all figured out and uh, (laughs) I always say those of you listening are much smarter than me so I love the opportunity to open up the phone lines and let you uh, share the airwaves with me and we can all learn from each other thank you so much for joining us great interview with Ellie Marzuli. I hope you'll be back with us next week as we talk about angels with our special guest, Ellie Anderson. If it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris live. We'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.